Don't be ashamed to learn things that you need to know. Here's Sexplanations with Dr. Doe. Sexplanations podcast, episode 13. My name is Lindsay Doe. I'm a clinical sexologist, doctor of human sexuality, and the host of the YouTube show Sexplanations. I go on tour to schools around the country and internationally talking about sexual topics and curiosity. I have my own curiosities, like today. What are Sarah Aswell's thoughts on orgasms? Am I saying your last name correctly? Yes. Aswell. Mm -hmm. Okay. Sarah is a thoughtful, well-spoken, wickedly funny co-host today. Uh, she is a writer, a mother, a comic. Who else are you? What else are you? Um, an orgasmer. <laughs> and I think you about covered everything else. Oh, okay. Those things and you orgasm. Yes, on top of it all. <laughs> That's wonderful. What is one of your curiosities? Um, about orgasming? Sure. Or everything. Or, anything. Or, or sex. Yeah, anything. I don't know. I just watched a bunch of your videos, so I oh, yeah. feel like super educated right Ooh, now. <laughs> fun. Which ones yeah. did you watch? Um, well, some some of the orgasm-related mm -hmm. ones um, because Perfect. I wanted to be sure to know my stuff. To but now, But now maybe I know too much. So um, now you know that you've had an orgasm. Yes. <laughs> you saw that. It, I, so many questions <laughs> were answered. What's Did been you going see on the me? one with me holding the squid? No. So the one where I pretend that the squid is Corbin Dallas from Fifth Element. Have you ever seen Fifth Element? Oh yeah, no, I watched the Fifth Element one. Oh perfect. Did I yeah. miss the squid? It's a, a the <laughs> the giant stuff purple thing is a squid. <laughs> I was so focused on the wig. I think. Ah oh, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> So I, in that episode, I pretend that the squid is Corbin Dallas, who is actually played by Bruce Willis in the movie Fifth Element. And I explain how, to me, orgasm is like that final scene when everything comes together in her body and she kind of has this thrust where her sternum goes up to the ceiling and all oh, of this right. energy comes out of her. That's my experience of mm -hmm. orgasm. Very, Some of them. Very Some of nerdy. Them yes. Yeah. Very nerdy. What about you? How's orgasm for you? Wow. Hmm. That's probably the best way to describe it. So <laughs> you I feel can steal it. description you want. will be second rate. I don't know. It's so great. Why don't we talk about it more? It's such a good, healthy feeling. I mean, we talk about eating all the time and um, yeah. that's not even as good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Why do we do that? We have it you all know? inside out. Yeah. Hi, how are you? Oh, I had a great orgasm today okay so let's play out that conversation if we relate it if we put it in place of food and we said yeah how was your orgasm where where was it at would we ask <laughs> where they were at like where you ask where somebody eats <laughs> oh yeah no that's good yeah like where'd you go <laughs> <laughs> yeah was there a long line no that's... did you did you get a parking ticket <laughs> did you Make a mess of the table. What, what do people <laughs> did ask about their the lunch plans? Yeah. yeah. Do you go there often? Hmm. Did you get a second serving? Did you <laughs> yeah, a second do serving. dessert afterward? Oh I'm going to have to think about this more. The common orgasm conversation. Yeah. We should just start. Mm -hmm. Not tell anyone, but just start, you know inserting that to conversations. I think one of the hardest things about dialogue around orgasm is that not all people are orgasmic. Yeah, that's a really good point. And so 
there's some sensitivity that needs to be built in. Or you don't build in the sensitivity and you just get to open it up to the people who aren't orgasmic and maybe that helps them to become orgasmic. What do you think? So, well, okay, here's a question. Okay. So the people who aren't orgasmic, is that due to maybe mental blocks or is there a physical aspect of that or both? Both and more. So there could be a physiological component, like something related to their nervous system, their circulatory system, endocrine system, so their hormones. It could be because they've had some sort of surgery, et cetera. There could be a mental component, like they're not maybe thinking this consciously, but subconsciously they might be thinking, if I have an orgasm, then I'm at risk of getting someone pregnant. Or if I have an orgasm, then I'm at risk of bonding with this person or being vulnerable with this other human being. Or I've let myself go. Or a big one, especially for biosex females, is this fear that they're going to urinate because they feel like, oh, there's like this urge to pee when I'm about to come and I don't want to pee. Right. So losing control kind of generally. Yeah, exactly. I just think that there are endless reasons why it's not happening. And some could have a mental block that is more psychological to protect them. Like I am not willing to masturbate in order to learn the skills to become orgasmic. So more behavioral, I guess I would say. That makes sense. Because I think a lot of biosex females especially become orgasmic because they learn what is pleasurable to themselves before doing that with a partner or while having a partner. Oh, for sure, yeah. Scientific talk here. (laughs) (laughs) So before we go into more conversation about orgasms, which I'm very excited to do, I want to give a special thanks to everyone at Patreon who supports this show, especially Laura Schuster, Paul Nixon, Donna Flint, Matty O'Sullivan, and the Millers who are pledged at the boss level. You can be just like them and go to patreon.com slash explanations podcast to get cool perks like a shout out and a test question in your honor. Dr. Doe is holding testes. She's holding testes. So every week we do this special little tribute to the people who support us. And we come up with some sort of question related to the topic. And so this is a question I have for you. I don't expect you to know the answer. Oh, good. Ready? (laughs) (laughs) This is research that is skewed to heterosexual relationships, but that doesn't reflect on them well. So we're just going to go with it. Men report that their partners orgasm. What percent more then their partners report orgasming. Oh, my. Hmm. Do you understand? Yes, the, okay, I do. So I'm going to give you the options. <laughs> We're talking about fake orgasms or, well, or misunderstood orgasms. Yeah, or they think that the person has had an orgasm right. even if when the person they hasn't. Right. Tricky. Um, so we have A, 10%, B, 21%, C, 35%, and D, 67%. Ooh. What was the second to last one? 35%. Let's go Let's go 35%. I have... Such a good guess, but it's 21. Oh, oh, that's even better. Yeah, that is, <laughs> uh, is better. Better. <laughs> but not great. <laughs> Basically, one-fifth of you think that the last time you had sex with your partner, uh, they were coming when they weren't. Bummer. That's from the National Survey of Sexual Health and Behavior from... 2010, by the way. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a, I knew it was going to be a bummer. So I thought it was going to be a bigger (laughs) bummer 
Um, I'm kind of glad it's a smaller bummer. But yeah. Still a bummer. What do you think about fake orgasms? Um, I actually, uh, hmm, I've never done it. So <laughs> I, I don't support that. Yeah. <laughs> but I can totally understand it. Yeah, I agree. I think I have faked an orgasm, honestly, where I say, this is what is happening, right? I'm not going to try and dupe you into thinking that I'm coming when I'm not, but I'm going to act like I'm coming so it turns you on and we can move on with our lives. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a new one for me. (laughs) (laughs) The honest fake (laughs) orgasm. (laughs) But I understand how people would do it out of embarrassment or wanting to please the other person or not knowing whether or not they've had an orgasm so they're acting as if. Right. Or like you said, just wanting to move along. Yeah. Yeah. But you've never been in that situation. I guess not. No. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I would have been – maybe I – I definitely could have been nice. I, I think sometimes it is ni- a nice thing to do, maybe. I to fake an orgasm? <laughs> <laughs> like, not nice, but maybe the word I'm looking for is polite. Okay. <laughs> or, you know, it would be like um, pretending you're interested in a conversation that you're not interested in at dinner. I guess it's a people-pleasing thing to do. Yeah. Which, yeah. It's not your style. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And Which I'm not a kind. good actress, I don't think. How... Would you describe orgasm? Um, I would say uh, release might be the best word. Mm. Sort of a build up and release. What do you think about the phrase, you'll know when you've had one? I think it's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I think it is true. I don't think there's anyone walking around wondering what's happened. Maybe a a child, someone who maybe doesn't have the vocabulary yet, but... Yeah, I think it's true. I think it's probably also frustrating to people who haven't. Oh, I agree. I agree. Yeah, very, I'm, very frustrating. I'm trying to think of another thing that's like that. Anything food related? <laughs> yeah, let's stick with food. <laughs> food is the ultimate yeah. sex metaphor. You know when you've had pizza. You just know. <laughs> yeah, I I think or it's maybe similar. love. Like you don't know what love is until you're in it. I don't know. Maybe. I think there are different forms of love that would make that a little bit more confusing. Mm -hmm. I certainly know how frustrating it can be for people to be on the receiving end of that comment and not know whether or not they've had an orgasm, thinking, I need more concrete data. I need to know how to get there. I want to know what you're saying to me because really you're just saying that until I magically have this experience, mm-hmm. I haven't had this experience. And so I, I do love working with people who are anorgasmic or pre-orgasmic and help them get there. But I also can't deny the reality of that statement, which is this is really the best way to describe it to you. Right. Is that when that experience happens, you will be fully aware <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, it's not something that at least I learned in, you know, your fourth grade sex ed class or wait, sixth grade. I forget when it was, but. Either. They don't teach it at any point, I don't think. No. It's just not discussed, which makes it hard. But that's where we come in. Right. That's where we <laughs> get to have the food conversations about orgasm. <laughs> How did you learn 
what orgasms were? You know, I'm not sure if I remember. Let me, I can't recall at all. I mean, I remember I probably learned to masturbate in high school. So it was pretty late. And I think that's a common story for women. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I don't know where that information was before then, I guess. Like I remember like the, was it sixth grade, fifth grade maybe? Yeah. Where they sit you down, they tell you about periods, they tell you about, you know. It depends on where you're from. (laughs) Because (laughs) if you're someplace progressive, then it would be fifth grade. And if not, it sometimes never, never. happens. Yeah, they, they teach you about abstinence, but yeah. won't tell you what <laughs> what you're abstaining from. Exactly. Don't do it. What? Don't do what? Just don't do it. <laughs> it's terrible. But yeah, I mean, you learn these very vague notions um, and about your changing body, but not about what your changing body can do. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, the vocabulary like coming – or jizzing, or all the slang words that we use for orgasm were in my life before orgasm itself. Yeah. Knowing that term for it, the clinical term. And I would say it was probably around high school as well. Maybe a little prior. Perhaps during middle school, people would talk about it, but I didn't have complete understanding of what that meant. Right. Yeah. And why would you? I mean, where does the information come from? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully yes, explanations exactly reaches people. You have kids, right? Yep, I've got two girls. And are they at an age where you feel like having those conversations with them? No, they're two and four. So we're still, <laughs> so no. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're still working on like body part vocabulary and um, things like that. And, you know, pri- keeping things private. Yeah. Um, but that's that it's great. okay to explore like all those little lessons for very young children. Oh, I love hearing that. I love hearing when people take care of their kids in that way and empower them with the actual words for their body parts and the self-care around it. And Yeah. Well, they do doing... it in school now. They they do it in the preschool pretty well. They teach them the terminology? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't want to take all the credit there. But we still, live in a brave new world of, yeah. That's great. Of the correct terminology. In fact, I think they they look down upon the silly the silly words that we grew up with. Wow. <laughs> what a change. Yeah. Because when I was in my doctoral program, I remember a classmate saying that her kids were reprimanded if they didn't use the word toolbox. And I think it was... Wait, toolbox for what? <laughs> I think toolbox was penis and Fifi was vagina, vulva. I am just baffled by toolbox. If they, what about right. tool? That would even be better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't remember what the, the exact slang words were. I want to say those were similar. Yeah, those but, are bad. Right? And if they didn't use those, if they used the term vulva, if they used the term penis, then mm-hmm. they got in trouble and were sent to the principals. Mm, that's bad. Right? Thank goodness things are changing, although not all things are moving forward. True. Okay. Any good orgasm anecdotes you have? Orgasm anecdotes? I should have thought about this before. Mm. Aren't orgasms on your mind all the time? (laughs) Gosh, an anecdote. Let me think for a second. I don't know that I have one off the top of my head. Yeah, that's tough. You would think, 
I could tell you about my favorite meal. But <laughs> <laughs> we have to get better at this, Sarah. <laughs> well, yeah, but we're not used to talking about it. It's yeah. it's funny, you know. Like, yeah, what would an orgasm anecdote even be? Like, one time I had five. <laughs> I I'm thinking about the one from Vagina Monologues mm-hmm. where the woman is, I think, in her 70s or 80s, and she's speaking with the person interviewing her about the first time she got aroused and all of this fluid came out, right? She female ejaculated, but she thought that she had urinated all over her date's Chevy Bel Air. <laughs> and she was mortified, so she right. kind of shut down shop there and never really went through a cycle of arousal. Oh, and I see. after the interview, she felt really empowered. And so she told the interviewer later that she had masturbated in the shower and brought herself to orgasm. It took her a while because she was arthritic, but she did it for the first time in her life. And I I just love that story because I think it's it's so beautiful that you're n- never too late. But I also hate that story because of the shame that's either internalized or external that inhibits us from learning about our bodies and playing with ourselves and becoming orgasmic. Yeah. No, I just had the saddest thought of how many women probably have gone through their whole lives. Um, Lots. Without that pleasure mm-hmm. through history. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Think on that. Although I will say <laughs> that while this is not a happy story, prior to modern America, we used to treat sexual arousal without orgasm like an illness. It was called hysteria and what they would do is the the people who were diagnosed with hysteria which is treatable but not curable would go to the doctor and the doctor would essentially masturbate them to orgasm so they would have an orgasm but they would have to come back each week for their treatment whoa that's totally crazy so we <laughs> we get a steam powered vibrator from that oh wow because the doctor's hands were so exhausted from repetitious masturbating of these patients. And so one of them developed, it looks kind of like um, an engine with a steel rod coming off of it and then a dildo, a leather dildo. And it would just... No leather. Okay. So sad because we were pathologizing it, but happy because some people were getting orgasms from their doctors because nobody else valued female sexuality at the time to understand that that was part of their sexuality. Yeah, that's that's a lot. <laughs> was that how the vibrator was invented? Well, that's one style of invention. Um, another, which I also really appreciate, is a ventriloquist. Struggling financially, I think, and one of his friends had <laughs> made prosthesis for Caucasian penises. So if if you didn't have a penis, you could go and buy one from him, like a wooden model. And there was no what they called an ebony division. So Mm. this ventriloquist who was struggling picked up the market for different shades of prosthesis, penis prosthesis, Mm. prosthetics, penis prosthetics. 
And then he became more and more creative, and he would put vibrators in them and then attach little plastic flowers to them, or he would take back massagers and do the same. And he had the neighborhood kids building them in the garage. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is the coolest thing. Ted Marsh. Wow. But it, and it's because of capitalism, really. <laughs> yes, really. <laughs> it went very badly for him because oh, no. someone used one of the devices in their anus and it ruptured. And so then the business went bankrupt and the, the rectum erupted too. Oh, my goodness. Sadness. That this tale, is not an uplifting that episode. Tale has so many ups and downs. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, lots of fascinating history. I'm trying to think of my own. You could just be making up stories right now, and, and there's you're no just way in awe. Like, no. <laughs> yep, like, and then yep. the ventriloquist said. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I remember being in high school, and my high school boyfriend would use his fingers in such a way that I would surge, like fluid would come out and then Mm -hmm. it would happen again and again and again. And that was an interesting part of my sexual development and understanding what was going on in my body and my own insecurities about whether or not I was peeing but not giving a shit because it felt amazing. And Right, yeah. And then that curiosity, I think, is what promoted me to learn myself so I could teach others so that they didn't feel embarrassed about the functions of their own system. Yeah. And we didn't have the internet, you know. Right. (laughs) Right. When something like that happens, and it probably happens to most women, I don't know about. Um, No, I would not say most. Oh, okay. But yeah, a fair number of people, that's Mm -hmm. an experience for sure. Yeah. And I remember the first time I could look it up on the internet. And the internet told me that it was beer piss. Wow. Okay. Which (laughs) was the term given to fluid that was simply a result of me imbibing too much alcohol. Oh, wow. This wasn't a scientific study, I'm guessing. No. (laughs) And I was 16 and I am a non-drinker. Like there, (laughs) there is no alcohol in my system. And I think people would do their own research and they would say, Okay, I have had nothing to drink all day. I have dehydrated myself, and there's still a glass full of fluid coming out. Mm -hmm. Thank goodness there are more scientific options now, but still there is not enough being done specifically around female sexuality to understand. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I I was just writing this article for Healthline. I'm a freelance writer, so I, I write about a bunch of different topics that are just assigned to me. Hmm, fun. Um, yeah. But I got to write about um, the the clitoris a few weeks ago. Wow. Yeah, no, it was super exciting. I want to read it. Oh, yeah. You, yeah, it's on Healthline. Okay. Um, yeah, one of the things that I was talking to a researcher, and one of the things that she said was that there's not a lot of research about the clitoris because its only function is pleasure. That's the only uh... thing it does. And nothing, <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't really, uh, um, it doesn't have any problems associated with it. Um, and so it gets ignored. And also it's on women, which is why mm-hmm. it doesn't get as much research. Yeah. yeah. Really depressing. It yeah, is. we just don't really know much. Right. No, we don't. And what we do know is sometimes not even correct. Because, for example, 
when I was in school, we would learn that the clitoris was the size of a baby carrot and you could see the head of it in the vulva, but the rest of it was just like a shaft. And when I went to a conference maybe a decade later, they were just learning that the clitoris has much more of an internal structure, that there are actually two roots that come down on either side of the vagina, and that the orgasms people think might be vaginal are really the internal clitoris being stimulated through the vagina. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah, no, um, the title of this thing is like, your clitoris is an iceberg. (laughs) Um, That's great. Yeah, you can see the tip, but there's a lot more going on there. And I had never seen, like, like, you should look up, like, a image of it. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like you can go into any bathroom in America and see like a picture of a dick and balls on the wall. And everyone's right? like, there is a dick and balls. Like everyone can draw it. Yeah. And nobody can draw the clitoris. Like no. we don't even know. And this, you know, and it's at the heart of female orgasm. Right. We should just start scrawling them everywhere. Okay. So we have two homework yes. assignments. <laughs> One, talk nonchalantly about orgasms. <laughs> right. And two, draw the clitoris everywhere. Yeah, yeah. We need more clit graffiti mm-hmm. um, in the world. On the dust of car windshields. <laughs> right. <and> clits <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, they look really cool, the hidden parts of it. I don't know. I'd never known about it before a few weeks ago weeks ago and i'm in my 30s yeah yeah it's sad but researchers didn't know either until recently right it wasn't until the 2000s or late 90s yeah i think is when they learned i want to talk more about the vaginal orgasm or if 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 it exists i mean is that a misnomer maybe semantics yeah I mean, I'm asking you. I don't know. Like, okay, I've ask heard. Me, what is your question? Okay, I've heard um, some people say that the vaginal orgasm is a myth, that whatever orgasms you have originate from your clit. And even if you have what you think is a vaginal orgasm, it's from your clit rubbing against somebody's torso or from like the penis rubbing against the inside of your vagina and hitting the mm-hmm. interior part of your clit. But then I've heard other people say that, yeah, you can have a vaginal orgasm, but they're rare. What, what is the, what's the truth? Do we know? I don't think we can say definitively one way or another. If I were to describe them, I would say that they are two different orgasms that can overlap. And so there may be clitoral orgasms that are happening from vaginal tissue strictly vaginal tissue, and then there are vaginal orgasms that might actually be caused by clitoral tissue okay. being stimulated. But to say that there's only one biosex female orgasm, which is derived from the clitoris, is ridiculous because people who have had spinal cord injuries can relocate the source of their pleasure to, let's say, their neck or a part of their body that they still have sensations in and experience orgasm through stimulation there. So nothing is touching their clitoris. That's amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. And again, I have no idea if you're just spinning tails. (laughs) (laughs) We need a bullshit button. (laughs) Yeah, I, I can speak from my own experience to say that I have an contractions and sensation and release happen in my vagina 
without touching any part of my body, that I can do that just from fantasy and muscle contractions all by themselves. Yeah. I think we just don't understand enough, but it's not fair to say your experience is everyone's experience or vice versa. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I feel more woke now. <laughs> Good. Because do you I'm feel orgasm like, woke? <laughs> do you feel like you're have you had a what you would call a vaginal orgasm? Um yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I I guess my question was like, was it because of like the Intuitively, how did it feel? Yeah. Did it feel uh, like it was a clitoral orgasm? Hmm. No, I guess it, yeah, it feels different. Yeah. Yeah. So even if we're just saying external clitoral orgasm versus internal clitoral orgasm, that to me is just semantics, right? Yeah, yeah. What I call a vaginal orgasm to me feels very different from a clitoral orgasm. And it doesn't feel like it's not an orgasm. It feels the right. have it when you know it. Because you know it when you have it. <laughs> but it's a duller sensation. Yeah, that's actually, yeah I can identify with that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's still very exciting. It still has the same release. It's just more of a low, deep sound than mm-hmm. a high-pitched screech. Yeah. And maybe broader. I yeah, don't know. broader. Mm-hmm. Just different types of music. Yeah. Or food. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, our food. <laughs> so do you have other questions? Um, hmm. Whether or not I'm lying. <laughs> I, I want a fact checker on this podcast. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that would be great. Yeah. The ventriloquist dildo maker is just really, <laughs> it's, really through me. Um, from a book. That's amazing. Called the something something sexual ecstasy, something in the revolution. I don't know. I'll write it in the description of this podcast. Oh, okay. Good. But it was a good history lesson. And, you know, I wasn't there. But based on the research that I have done, there are all sorts of fascinating things that have happened in the history of sexuality. I bet. Okay, I've got a question for you. Okay. I here's a, Okay, here's a, a personal story. Um, I've never used a vibrator before. And it's awesome. <laughs> I'm a fan. Yeah, okay. Well, it's because I'm frightened that I feel like I've I've always had an easy time orgasming in my life. There are going to be I people so listening blessed. right now who hate you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but I'm afraid that using a vibrator would make it more difficult in the long run to not use a vibrator. Is that just something that I've put in my own head? No. No, it's possible? Yes. Oh, okay. I should stay away. As with anything, you can condition yourself. Yeah. Right? So if you only had fast food for every meal and you wanted to eat vegetables, they might not taste as good to you. Or... So vibrators are like fast food is what I'm hearing. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Or it may be that vegetables taste delicious because the fast food is not actually nourishing you. That's not Mm. to say that vibrators can't be helpful or they don't have their purpose. I I value them as an instrument in my field Mm -hmm. for 
a lot of reasons. One in particular is that if a person with disabilities isn't able to provide the same stimulation to their body as a vibrator, I'm glad that they have that tool. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or I've worked with people who have not been able to reach their nervous system with a vibrator that you could buy at Adam and Eve. With mm-hmm. one of those or with their hands or partner stimulation, they cannot create the kind of intense stimulation of those nerves that will get them off. So they end up having these four-hour boners. And I am grateful that somebody figured out if we design the Porsche of vibrators, oh wow, then mm-hmm. we can actually tap that nerve and allow them to go back to a flaccid penis state. So I'm pro-vibrator. Uh, professionally. Personally, Mm -hmm. I'm very similar to you, though I have more reasons not to use them, one being that the vibration itself hurts my hands. So Ah. I did a video on Sexplanations called 50 Ways to Hold a Vibrator Without Using Your Hands, which is all Dr. Seuss rhymes. Well, Dr. (laughs) Doe rhymes, because I wanted to figure out how someone like me who it hurts, it hurts my hands to hold, could Mm -hmm. still have the experience of stimulation on my genitals 50 ways is a lot yes we got (laughs) really creative one of them is a clip of a drone that holds a vibrator and flies down to the person's genitals (laughs) they are using drones for everything these days (laughs) right (laughs) i think i'm most impressed by the drone that delivers emergency contraceptive pills across borders to countries where abortions are well, not a, sorry, not emergency contraceptive pills. Are you four eighty six, which is an actual abortion pill? Mm-hmm. They deliver them across the border and allow people the access. They get shot down. That's often, amazing. Yeah, people are doing all sorts of things with drones, like you said. I had never thought like drones. Let's do some sex stuff. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's great. Safe yeah. sex through drones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Things there are positives and negatives. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any other questions? Hmm. I like answering your questions. <laughs> I might be out of orgasm questions, though. I That's don't know. fine. Okay. Well, let's talk about Adam and Eve here for a second because they generously support us here on this Explanations podcast. And when I talk about them, we get to do this fun exercise where as a group so you and I and our listeners are all doing group kegels Main squeeze, squeeze it good. I'm going to read this ad and throughout it we're going to interject moans from these lovely ladies who have shared their moans and every time you hear a moan you'll clench your PCs and then relax them Sounds good. And you can choose whether or not you're you're already (laughs) doing them, Sarah. (laughs) Um, And I I advise people to be gentle with yourselves. If you haven't worked your PCs before in this way, you can end up with a sore groin. Okay, so here we go. AdamandEve.com is an online store for adults to buy toys and other play equipment for their sexual adventures. Sex sleeves. Vibrators. Cock rings, uh, sex calendars, uh, condoms, 
and cushions. Uh-huh. They're all available online at their website, adamandeve.com. Uh-huh. When you use promo code SEXPOD at checkout, oh. they'll sweeten the deal with 50% off one eligible item uh. and ship your fund for free if you live in the U.S. or Canada. Uh. Do you work kegels often? No, do, I can't you, say I do. Do, you do, do I work often? <laughs> do, do, I work you, do you wear kegels often? <laughs> Again, I, maybe that's a greeting we should add to our everyday interactions. How are your kegels yeah, this morning? Yes. It's like yoga, right? You ask your <laughs> friends if they do yoga or ula or Zumba, and now we can just say, yeah, kegels. Where do you go to do your kegels? <laughs> Sexplanations podcast. That's where the kegels are happening. Oh, so lovely. Okay, what other orgasm questions do I have for you? What advice would you give to someone who hasn't had one? I would probably say... I mean, I guess it's mostly about, like, being comfortable with your body. Mm -hmm. And I would probably say read about it. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) And I would say to communicate with your partner, which is something I think especially maybe younger women don't do enough of. Mm -hmm. Or I didn't as a younger person. So I think things got a lot better when I started asking for things. Oh, like saying what would be pleasurable for you Mm -hmm. that would maybe inspire an orgasm? Yeah. I think you're probably way better off uh, doing a solo exploration to get your first one, right? Wouldn't you agree? I I don't know. I hope that for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are lots of individuals who are unwilling to masturbate. Mm -hmm. They just have that sexual shame ingrained so deeply. Yeah. And I, I want for them to be able to have orgasms even with that limitation. But ultimately, I believe that orgasms can really come faster and more consistently if you know how to give them to yourself. Right, for sure. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So what about for biosex males or non-binary people who haven't had an orgasm yet? Yeah, well, I have less experience. <laughs> Um, I am just not very, well, I guess I can't say I'm not very knowledgeable, but yeah, I have no personal, I mean, wouldn't it be a lot of the same advice? I mean, knowing what feels good. I think not being ashamed at that point is really important. Mm -hmm. And you know that we grow up with so much of that. Do you feel like your upbringing contributed to you feeling more sex positive? Um, yeah, I think so. My parents are both scientists, so... They were very matter-of-fact about everything, wow. um, which is good. Yeah, I like that. I'm trying to do that for my kids, too, even though I don't have that educational background as much. So, yeah, no, and, and you know, they're atheists, so I didn't have, like, the religious mm-hmm. shame that some of my friends right. dealt with. But I think that's changing, too, in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. I so, hope so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think in some places it's getting worse, but I hope yeah, in yeah. overall the sex negativity and eroticentricity is decreasing. I don't think we could stand it if it <laughs> got worse. It's so hard to look at some of the stories and the things that are going on in the world, specifically in my field, and to feel defeated and 
So it's uplifting to remember that, yeah, we're still making progress and it'll be okay. Oh, totally. I think so too. I'm thinking about Surgeon General Joycelyn Elders, who served under Bill Clinton's administration. She was asked at an AIDS conference whether or not she thought teaching masturbation in school would be a good HIV prevention tactic, and she, in so many words, said yes and was immediately asked to resign. Whoa. Really? Yeah. Look, I can give you all of this material <laughs> for writing articles. Yeah. It's fascinating how much sex shame is out there. But to Ooh. then later hear her speak about it and how much she has gone on to make a difference and does education in her own right, right? She doesn't have to be under the government's thumb to to make a difference. She can go to conferences and universities and speak and to hear her absolutely back her decision to say that and mm-hmm. and not withdraw it just because she was asked to resign, I think is incredibly powerful. Absolutely. And shows the difference that we are making. Okay. Why do you think that masturbation and orgasm has so much shame around it? Like it doesn't, where does that come from? Like, is it, does it have religious roots or? Yes. Yeah. I don't know if the original root is mm-hmm. in this case Christianity, but yeah, there some Puritan is stuff. a Christian root. There is a character in the Bible named Onan, and basically, what happened is his older brother died, and at that time, you were expected to marry your brother's wife mm-hmm. and give her children, and that male-born child would then be the patriarch of the family. Right, because the mm-hmm. male-born child would replace the elder brother, not the younger brother. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So he went to have sex with this woman, his brother's widow, and he pulled out. So coitus interruptus withdrew, spilled his semen. And this was horrible, right, because oh. you're supposed to impregnate right, right. the woman. It's all about reproduction. Right. And so this is the actual sin he committed was coitus interruptus. Mm. But what got attached to it in the translations was masturbation. And so when you see this anti-masturbation literature, it talks about onanism or the illness of masturbation or the evil of masturbation, onanism, when that wasn't actually the crime. Wow. Yeah. I just want you to tell me stories all day. <laughs> I want to tell you stories all day, Sarah. <laughs> this is mutually beneficial. Just, just tell me orgasm stories, even though a lot of them are depressing. <laughs> they are, right? They're sad. Yeah. Wow. So it's not even in the Bible is what you're telling me, that masturbation is bad. Like it's not. Not that I know of. My yeah. my uncle is coming next week, and he is a pastor in Kansas. And mm-hmm. my hope is that he will come join me on the couches of the podcast and answer those questions. Oh, like, I love it. Like, let's take this on, you know, yeah. figure out what the the professionals in his field, the experts in Christianity believe. What's their interpretation? Yeah. Yeah. But the research that I have done is like, oh, you got things way, they're way off. That's not how it went down. 
And it's too bad because there really is like, I was thinking about this on my way over here. Like there's no downside to an orgasm. Like there's no, (laughs) like if you eat too much, you get fat or you get a stomach ache or, you know. There, I would say actually there's an orgasmic equivalent to that. Oh, there is? Yeah. People who have. Don't tell me this story. Oh, more sadness. (laughs) Yeah. People who have orgasms out of their control all day long who are constantly aroused that's pretty awful oh that is awful yeah i think i had heard about that a tiny bit but yeah persistent arousal disorder yeah it has different names but that's one of them it's from what i have read and the people i've talked to it's awful so there's a downside too much of anything is bad yeah but i think like you said there is a lot of goodness to them Mm mm-hmm And in one of the previous episodes of the podcast, we talked about how it would be interesting to have a superpower where you could make someone have an orgasm and how it could be used to either, in the case of Trump, to uh, (laughs) – Where is this going? (laughs) To (laughs) distract him from what he's doing because he is aroused – or to get him to splooge in his pants and then embarrass him. (laughs) So – <laughs> yeah. well, Lots think, of options out there. I'm thinking about that superpower. That would be, that would come with great responsibility. Yeah. Right. Would you use it for good or evil? <laughs> a little of both. <laughs> Sounds like a superpower. <laughs> cool. Well, is there anything else you would like our audience to know? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I am so grateful that you came and shared stories with me. I feel like I go to your comedy shows and you're constantly teaching me things and entertaining me. And I'm glad that I can reciprocate. I can't believe I've taught you anything. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) You have. I, I now have some ideas about what mermaid pussy. Oh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. This was really fun. Yeah. I don't think I've ever talked about orgasms for this long without having one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you know, get home to your business (laughs) and and have have the climactic experience. It'll be good. And I'll tell people about it. Yes. Sounds good. That's the sexter credit. (laughs) Tell people about your orgasms. Ask people about their orgasms. And, and draw draw clits. And on, draw clits. On dirty cars. Yeah. Done. <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, Sarah. And I also want to thank Cinema Studios, Complexly, and Count Boogie for all of the production help. And Cora and Paro, I'm still learning. Mm-hmm.